Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. Digital agriculture. It's the use of digital data and technology to help produce food. G'day, I'm Drew Radford and the next generation of farmers will be very familiar with the term. Indeed, many already are, such as dried fruit producer Stephen Bennett. For him, the digital revolution is already here. And to discuss what it means, he joins me in the AgVic Talk studio. Stephen, thanks for your time. Hi Drew, it's wonderful to be here. Stephen, where do you farm and what do you farm? We're based just out of Merbeen in northwest Victoria. Merbeen's about 15 kilometres away from Mildura in the Sunraysia region. And we are dried vine fruit growers, which is predominantly sultanas, but also we have some newer varieties like sun musket, sun glow and carina currants. The family's been doing it for quite a few years now, since uh, 1910 actually, so my brother and I are the fourth generation Bennett's to be here. Four generations, Stephen, that's quite a legacy there, but I understand you didn't go straight onto the property, you disappeared and did an engineering degree, why was that? That's right. Growing up, my family was fairly interested in cars and mechanical things and my brother, who's a bit older than me, he was studying mechanical engineering, so I guess I wanted to follow that path as well and I remember when I was in primary school I did a project on cars and the principal saw this project and he was fairly impressed and asked me what I'd like to do and I said oh I don't know maybe I'd like to be a mechanic or something and he said oh I reckon you could try something else and you might even like studying engineering and from that point on I was pretty determined to get a degree in mechanical engineering so I did and then I got that and worked for about six years as an engineer before I decided that um, working and living in the city wasn't my cup of tea, so I was a bit keen to come back and have a go at um, being a dried fruit grower again. Stephen, is the timing almost good for that in some regards? Because you've come back at a time where technology is really reaching deeply into the agricultural sector. It always has, but arguably more so in recent times. Yeah, timing is an interesting question. I remember when I was living in Melbourne, I came back one weekend and my brother showed me this new shore swing arm trellis system and the penny really dropped for me then that it was a fairly large scope opportunity for mechanisation and it was sort of right up my alley. So from that point, I decided that I wanted to get back and then the property came up for sale next to the home property, so we bought that and I came back. But yeah, to your point, particularly in the last, I guess, five or ten years, there's been a real revolution, I guess, in electronics and automation and robotics and it's and all this stuff's become quite available to novices like myself or people interested in that sort of technology to try and get involved and have a go and see what they can do on farm to try and lift their productivity and make life a bit easier. Yeah, it really is quite an exciting time to be in farming at the moment. Stephen, you mentioned there the shore trellis and how you saw the opportunity for mechanisation around that. For those that aren't familiar with it, what is the shore trellis and what opportunity did it present for you? Well, traditionally, grapes were harvested by hand and then laid onto drying racks and dried on the racks, and it was quite a labour-intensive process. And then during the 1970s, we had some bad years with rain, and that sped up the development of trellis drying, which is where, effectively, instead of harvesting the fruit first and then drying it, with trellis drying, we, we dry the fruit first on the trellis and then harvest it. But it was a way of salvaging fruit in 
very adverse weather conditions because it stopped fruit from splitting and rotting and causing damage to the fruit. But adapting trellis drying to systems that were designed for hand picking wasn't ideal. But Ivan Shaw, who was a grower in Merbeen, quite a clever grower, and he has developed this swing arm system which uh, where we basically grow canes along a continuous linear line along the row. It makes the harvest process much more mechanised and we can almost eliminate a lot of the labour that we used to use. And it also means that we can mechanise the pruning as well to a certain degree. We still need some labour with pruning, but although with the industry's developing ways to minimise that as well, but it um, really did mechanise both the harvest and the pruning of vines, which is in our industry quite important because we're competing with imports and it's a very price sensitive industry, so we need to be as productive as we possibly can. I think this year really came into its own as well because with the labour shortages around due to COVID, I think we really would have struggled if we didn't have a system like the shore system where we could minimise our labour inputs as much as we possibly could and still manage to dry and harvest the crop without too many difficulties. Stephen, you mentioned there that labour has been a particular issue of late because of the pandemic. What are you working on technology-wise that may be of broad appeal? One project that I've been working on for quite a while now is a an autonomous robot to try and drive around a vineyard by itself and spray weeds and it's been a long-term project but I am getting there. I've got to the stage now where it can do about half a hectare by itself driving up and down roads without hitting anything which has been the main objective Um, and I'm just working on sort of the Mark II model now with bigger wheels and, and bigger motors. I guess it's a bit of an experiment and it was part of this sort of revolution that I mentioned before about this technology becoming more available because I've had this sort of vision or dream for a long time but in the last few years the hardware and software has sort of become available off the shelf so I'm using a computer that's designed to control a drone and it's an open source project and the guys behind this project have also developed software that is designed for rovers, um, ground-based rovers so I've pretty much just plugged this computer into a little machine that I've built myself and been able to start doing some testing and evaluation of it to see if it's going to be worthwhile and so far it looks pretty promising and I also did have a little bit of assistance from Dried Fruits Australia who have some grants available for people who want to develop new ideas or um, new innovations and I was able to use some of that money to fund purchasing of the um, of the computer although it's not particularly expensive in the grand scheme of things and also it uses a low-cost RTK GPS technology, which is another handy technology that's become cheaper and more available, very similar to the systems that Broadacre growers use for auto steering and setting up their rows in a fairly highly precise way. But um, the system I got was only, well, I think it was about $800, so, but it can give me accuracy down to 20 millimetres, which is, in a vineyard, you need things to be fairly accurate because um, it doesn't take too much to send it off course and hit a vine and, and stop although my machine's not very big so that um, it wouldn't do too much damage but having this technology available in the last few years has been a great help for me anyway. Stephen you said it's not particularly expensive but it's a reasonable skill set I imagine to try and pull all those bits together and actually make it happen but then it goes on to becoming an early adopter you know you often find yourself being a bit of a guinea pig for this sort of thing and trying to adapt technology to your situation why does being an early adopter suit you and your business 
part of it's just being curious about and creative about new technology and what it can do. And that's, I guess, the main driver. Being an early adopter does have risks. And even though some of this stuff doesn't cost a real lot of money, it does cost a little bit in time learning how to use these things. You don't need to be a computer programmer or an expert to start using this stuff. But I have spent time on forums and on the internet trying to nut out problems that I've had. And I've had some really good assistance from people all around the world just from internet forums and things if I've got a problem. And there's not many people locally that are experienced with this stuff, but there's plenty of people in the communities online that are dealing with this and usually they can solve my problems fairly quickly. But being an early adopter, I guess you've got to be careful that you don't fall into any traps that nobody else has come across before and you don't want to go down any wrong paths and do anything too seriously wrong. So you've got to sort of tread carefully when you're doing it. But the benefits certainly are worthwhile. Well, Stephen, in terms of the benefits, I mean, bottom line is you're a primary producer and you're doing this on the side. So what's driving you to actually do this? Is this about increased efficiency on your property? Is that really the bottom line for this or is it a a bigger vision for the industry? I think a bit of both. In our business situation, we're usually fairly pushed for time. We don't have a huge turnover, so we try and minimise our labour as much as possible. But if I could get a rover that could go doing spraying for me, then straight away it's almost like um, employing somebody to do that job. So it's going to free up my time to do things that are more productive and do things a bit more efficiently. And when you do have labour shortages and shortage of skilled labour, automation and robotics I think is a one way that's going to be a big help to try and solve those labour problems anyway. And I think going into the future we're going to need people that are more skilled at operating these sort of systems. And I think that'll happen. I think, you know, the next generation of kids that are coming through, they'll be quite familiar with computers. And, and, and I think it'll also attract more people into the industry because they'll be more interested in playing with robots than digging holes with shovels, probably. Yeah. Anyway, that's just my thoughts on that, on that sort of labour issue. The bottom line is you're not afraid of technology. You're also a primary producer that depends upon irrigation licences. So water is a valuable commodity for you. I understand you've been getting involved in technology there that can help you better deploy water, particularly Irisat. What's that and how do you use it? Irisat is an online tool for irrigation scheduling. It uses both satellite technology and local weather data to measure how much water a particular crop is using and then you can use that to try and schedule how much water you need to apply to um, make up for the water that the plant's using. Now, I've found it a really useful tool, and I use it almost daily just about for irrigation scheduling. And you can basically get a map of your own property, and it looks like a Google Earth map, and you can map out or put a boundary around each patch of vines, in our case. And then every week, Irisat will update the data that it's getting from the satellites and also the weather data, and then you can predict how much water over the next week that that patch of vines is going to use. You know, straight away, you can very easily use it for for scheduling and I use it quite a bit for benchmarking so I can see what our neighbours are doing from the satellite data and you you know you can even look at um, other industries around the world and see what their crops are doing and you can compare that to your own. I guess um, what's one of those traps that I mentioned before that I learnt with Irisat is that you've really got to you do have to know what's actually going on on the ground so you can have a patch of vines that looks really healthy but it could actually be a patch of dead vines that's growing a lot of grass so unless you actually know and can see what's happening on the ground, you can you can get a bit confused as to what's really happening. But if you're familiar with your own property and you know 
what patch is doing what yeah it can be be quite useful and it's been really useful for me to understand crop water use and where what different varieties how efficient their water use is the effect of weeds and on water use and it's really has sharpened my focus on weed control and also making sure we're putting on the right amount of water at the right time i mean it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll save water because we want to try and maximize our yield as much as possible but we don't want to waste water i guess so getting the best return per megalitre is the most important thing in our industry anyway. Stephen, is this a case of combining it also with other water monitoring technology as well, such as probes? You, you mentioned there about mm. knowing your patch very, very well. So are you looking to deploy other technology to say, well, this is exactly what's going on in this patch? We do have a set of capacitance probes in one patch, and that's that's part of a project that we're doing with Dried Fruits Australia to try and use data to maximise our yield. So it's been good to compare what Irisat's saying with what the probes are saying. You sort of need two systems. With I think with irrigation scheduling, you can't just rely on one particular system because irrigation probes are very specific to that site. So they only sort of measure in a very small area, although you can, you know, it should represent roughly what's going on within a patch. But with Irisat, you can also get a good overall view of what's happening within the patch and you can see the weak areas in the patch and the stronger areas in the patch and which doesn't necessarily show up with a probe. The data you get out of probes is a lot more accurate than Irisat and it's also a lot more up to date than with Irisat because with Irisat even though you know you get updates about once a week which is pretty good you can't actually see what's happening when you irrigate like you can with probes. Stephen you're doing your own work in terms of automation on the property what exciting things are you seeing coming over the horizon for the dried fruit industry in particular? I think the industry's been doing a good lot of work in mechanise of, of pruning, even though we can mechanise harvesting a lot. Pruning's been our most labour-intensive activity and in the last couple of years some local growers have been developing machinery to try and take away some of the detailed sort of pruning work we do with hand secateurs. I mean, overall just tidying up and minimising labour in pruning I guess on an, in another area that I see is going to be a big advantage to the industry is field robotics. An example would be there's a Californian company that's selling automated sprays and they've actually sold quite a few units to a local almond orchard company. And then I see this morning they're going to sell a smaller version of that for vineyards. So I think automated or ground robotics and auto steering in horticulture, they'll be not too far away. And they'll be a big advantage, particularly things like auto steering. As I mentioned, we're trying to mechanise pruning as much as possible. But when you're driving down a row of vines and you're trying to steer the tractor straight, and you've also got to try and control a machine that's pruning the vines, um, if you can have a tractor that steers itself, that would make that job a lot easier, I think. Even though we haven't been using things like auto steer and horticulture a real lot up to date, I think into the future, as we get more mechanised, I think those sort of things will be used more and more. Stephen, you came back to the family farm with a degree in mechanical engineering, so you had some good foundation skills, but what have you done to continue updating your skill set so you can do this sort of work? Well, I've always been interested in computer-aided design, and I was lucky when I first started working as an engineer. One of my first jobs was to convert a drawing office from the drawing board to computer-aided design. So I've been lucky to oversee some big changes in short periods of time 
but I've continued that interest in computer-aided design right up to now, and that software has become cheaper and more available too. So, and I have done a little bit of design work sort of off the farm over the years, not a real lot, but a little bit. And I also do do a bit of machinery design just of my own. That's helpful for keeping my head around or feel involved in all the details of design, that sort of design work. But um, the latest computer-aided design software, I'm a bit amazed about as well because it's quite affordable now and it's really is cutting-edge technology, whereas years ago you sort of had to be a multinational company to get some of this software, but now you can do three-dimensional computer-aided design and you can also use that same software for some fairly advanced design analysis, which I sort of never had the chance to do even when I was working as an engineer, but now I, I can keep myself up to date with that sort of stuff and even little things like 3d printing i've got a we bought a little 3d printer a while ago and that's been handy so any designs that i do draw then i can quickly um, print them to see if they're going to fit and, and work but it's funny even though i sort of left the industry i don't really feel like i've been left behind because with so much information online i can keep myself very much up to date with what's going on in the, in both the engineering world and, and the farming world Stephen, it certainly sounds like you are keeping yourself up to date well and truly. Stephen Bennett, the future certainly is looking bright for you in terms of being able to apply technology on your property to gain advantages and also share it with the rest of the industry. Thank you for taking the time and joining me in the AgVic Talk studio today. No, thank you very much, Drew. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to AgVic Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government Melbourne.